You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, episode 27, Jeff Hogan, Crutz Cigars. So how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on your uh, little show here today. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's like it's. I, I always have fond memories of Crutz because I think you all were kind of one of the first brands that I've um, encountered when I first started going to IPSPR like years ago. I think it was IPSPR 2015 in New Orleans um, that I first kind of ran into your brand. Okay. And and ever since then I've been. Uh, it's been on my radar. Did we treat you okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're one of the few. <laughs> you're waiting. You're like, you're waiting for the shoe to drop. You're like, you're terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what do we do? I'm sure, I'm sure it was Casey. Yeah. Something Casey said. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was, I was speaking to our, our mutual friend, David Spurdo over at EP Carrillo. And he said, tell, tell, uh, tell Jeff, I, I'm still mad at him <laughs> for, stealing, for stealing my salesperson. So, or my rep or, or whatever it was. Uh, I was oh, like, yeah, I was like, we'll, we'll work that into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, great company. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny anything. <laughs> so, especially so, so where are you uh, beaming in from today? I'm in, uh, I'm in Minneapolis right now. Um, obviously not traveling. So um, just having a cigar and my, uh, uh, a back room of a retail store and, you know, socially distancing, of course, you know, in Minnesota retail stores are not open. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I mean, it's crazy. I was on a, a conference call with a number of retailers and, uh, the other day. And I think Minnesota is one of the very few other than a couple of hotspots, uh, maybe Maryland, New York, places like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm just having a cigar and, um, finishing up a, uh, peanut butter parfait uh, from Dairy Queen. And uh, that's it. That's my lunch for today. How about you? Where, where are you located? I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Okay. All right. Uh, it's, it's sunny here. I think tomorrow we get storms. Uh, it's day 40 something of, of staying at home <laughs> and working yeah. from home. So it's, it's been a it's been an interesting spring, I would say. <laughs> I, I think, didn't you guys just pick up like one of for North Carolina? Wasn't it North Carolina? You just, uh, our, our top recruit, our top high school recruit, I think he went to North Carolina, didn't he? I, I think so. Maybe, maybe Tony knows. He's, I, I think he joined a little bit, my cousin Tony, but uh, he might know the answer to that. Tony, you know, send a little text if you know the answer to that, but I think that's where it was. So, you know, I think you gotta, you'll have a good team as, as always. That's good. We have a, you know, it's, it's the basketball and football culture here is, is getting stronger and stronger every year. You know, I went to UNC Chapel Hill, so uh, it's, it was all basketball culture. And luckily now the football team uh, I've, I've seen has gotten better. So Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. I, now, where are you? Are you able to smoke a cigar right now or no? No, I'm in my apartment. And oh, it's yeah. funny because I live in the, a neighborhood called the American Tobacco District, mm-hmm. and it's like the most anti-tobacco. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll smoke tobacco area of the like. I'll, of, I'll of smoke North one Carolina. for both of us, okay? 
So you just you just watch me enjoy. Oh yeah. So <laughs> what are you smoking today? Smoking a uh, Crux Epicure Toro. Yeah, it's kind of my it's kind of my go-to every day. If I'm smoking a lot of cigars in the day, I tend to smoke a lot of Epicures. Okay. They don't they don't uh, they don't crush my mouth, so you know they're they're always good. So kind of my kind of my deal. I love this cigar. What's your favorite? What are some of your favorites nowadays? Uh, I'm one of those like younger people who I'm not brand loyal. Like so I don't even think I've I'm, I've earned the right to have a favorite yet. I have. Yeah. I'm like. I'm one of those people, I will try a cigar and I have like several cigars to try and I've been waiting to have like a platform kind of like this where I can not only try it and like take an Instagram picture for it, but also like do like some type of review attached to it. So I've okay. been like hoarding cigars for the special project <laughs> that, that I'm hoping will will finally, once I finally get like the, the website up for deep cuts and all that kind of stuff. and once we get cigars and leisure back up and going that, you know, that will be um, some areas where I can like, not only, like I said, take a picture for Instagram, but do some reviews for people just to kind of put my two cents out there with everybody else's two cents. That's good, man. A lot of two cents adds up to a lot though, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, I was talking to uh, Corey from Bob Cigars and he was, I was like, do you pay attention to, you know what what everybody else out there thinks and he's like yeah he's like you know we might not pay attention to like the numerical number but we want to see like a review and see if you know if our own personal review and our team matches up so you know right. and, uh, and i know um shia goldberg at at um prime cigars at the same thing so um you know reviews are important it's just a matter of my my struggle has always been how to do a, a fair review um you know, and I don't know how you feel about reviews as a manufacturer, but to me, they're tricky because they're always, uh, I mean, it's like, how, how are people really reviewing it? Because some magazines just go straight forward and they're like, here's the cigar picture. Here's the binder wrapper filler. Here's the great net cigar. You never get like a full, like, well, what were your thoughts on the cigar? You know, what, what made it a 93 or what made it a 92? So I'm looking to get more into like the nitty gritty parts of, what I enjoyed about the experience, not just, oh, this is a brand I like, I'm gonna, you know, automatically give it a 90 and then everything, you know, a couple points above that, or I don't know it. So, you know, it's, it's starting off at an unequal footing. So that's something that I just been, have been playing around with. Well, it's a little different. I think, you know, when you, have a, when you have a cigar review panel, you have several people, you have the high, you have the low, uh, some panels might kick out the low and the high and average the rest. Some take them all in, into account. So when it's when you're a single reviewer, you know, I mean that that scores a score, right? So you know, some reviewers are smoking a cigar one time. Some some people are smoking them, you know, three cigars to really give it a fair review. Um, but really, it's just you know another person's opinion of a cigar. And and I think I think uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I think if you know you're dealing with somebody that you know really loves their brand, is passionate about it, you know they're putting good tobacco in it, guy's not an asshole, you know, he's probably gonna score a little better than, you know, the guy that really doesn't take too much, put too much time in and is a douchebag. I mean, he's probably not gonna get a great score, but. Yeah, you know. it's, it's definitely hard to, to take out bias sometimes, because you definitely think about, you know, your experience with the, that brand and the people there. 
That's right. right. It's even as to, you could be the best journalist and you're still going to have some type of bias. <laughs> yeah, that's on, right. Based on your experience, because it only takes that one time. And I know I've luckily been very, had a very good experience with most people. Then there's only, and I, those people who I haven't, they don't even work in the industry. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, but. Well, there's no, there's no media, there's no bias in media, is there? Like, <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> That, that's a whole different. That's a whole different show. Oh, oh that's 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 deep cuts. That's that's, that's deeper deep, cuts. Deep cuts. That's deeper. <laughs> deeper cuts. <laughs> so what I wanted to do today, it really is, is um, learn more about the Crux brand because I know we haven't done a story on you yet. So this is kind of pre a precursor to that. Um, okay. Back of business and cigars and leisure and such like that, but to kind of get the story of, of why, you know, why you wanted to start a, a cigar brand. Cause it's not an, an easy, it's not a definitely a, an easy thing to kind of just jump into. You don't wake up one morning and say, Oh, I think I'm going to have my own cigar brand. And, and the next day you just, you know, you do a couple hours of work and poof, it's all together. So right. I just wanted to get the story of, of how Crux cigars came about and what's your, what your experiences in the industry so far have been like. <clears throat> sure. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, and I won't, I won't, bore everybody to death here but you know I, I started off as a retailer uh, 28 years ago I opened my first retail store uh, I've owned uh, a few different retail stores in the in the Twin Cities area over the years uh, I still own one retail store uh, in the western suburbs where I, I, I hired a team to run that company oh about four or five years ago now they do a fantastic job I get there from time to time I'm able to spend a little more time there now being that you know, uh, myself and our other guys in the Crux team aren't traveling. Um, <clears throat> but starting off as a retailer, I mean, I just, I knew at a very young age that um, I, I, I mean, I just love cigars, right? I mean, like most people started, I, I started off with, you know, smoking Swisher Sweets while I was out hunting, you know, take advantage of, uh, you know, Minnesota summers, Minnesota falls, and uh, opened my re first retail store when I was uh, 21 years old. And, um, and I just just try to make us be a student before before cigars I actually wanted to own a hardware store. I mean, that that was my true passion is I, I, I wanted to own a hardware store and and uh, and have a couple of them in, in locations in the Twin Cities area. And uh, what I quickly realized is, I, number one, I didn't I didn't have any money, um, which was a was a problem. And number two, without that experience and, and no way to collateralize a loan, I wasn't able to. Um, you know, buy a store, build a store. So it would have been a much longer process. Um, and then I, I started smoking cigars, fell in love with them immediately. Uh, once I had my first one, it was, uh, I think my first cigar was a, uh, an Alfred, Alfred Dunhill Altamiras in the tube and had a great experience in running into a retail store where a guy in a trench coat ended up trying to buy like four or $500 worth of cigars. I, I thought I was a big deal back then, spending $10 on one cigar because I was burning it up. You know, it's a lot more money than a Swish and Sweet. And this guy is willing to spend hundreds. And then the guy in the humidor said, I, I can't sell you all those cigars. Uh, I got to keep some for my other com my other customers. They're, they're kind of hard to come by right now and so on and so forth. And this is before the cigar boom, of course. And it's just kind of a light bulb went. I was just floored, you know. I said, well, there's something to the cigar business. Well, I mean, I don't think it was two weeks later and I was in the cigar business. And, you know, so I, I ran my retail operation in Minnesota for years. Um, we just happened to be in a state that really is, isn't, you know, it is conducive to small business in some ways. 
but then there's other industries that have really been singled out, uh, over, overly taxed uh, and burdened uh, by legislative um, uh, law. And so uh, as the years went on, our tobacco taxes continued to go up. And I just, I just knew if I wanted to stay in the cigar business, and I had offers you know, from other people that work in different industries and do different things. And I just said, if I want to stay in this business, I'm going to have to think about this a little bit different. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it was always in the back of my mind. I think, I think most people that really, that really love cigars, um, probably yourself, even you thought by what would it be like to own your own brand and, uh, and to market it. And I could come up with some cool names and, and, you know, it's, and that, that's the romance. That's the fun, right? I mean, that's the whole, that's the carnival of it, man. That's, that's, that is the fun, but the, the other side of the business is the pain. Um, you know, the, the time in the travel, the, I mean, the financial uh, burden is, is substantial. And, um, you know, so, you know, I don't talk too much about that because that's not the fun part of the business, but I think if most manufacturers will attest to the pains that they've gone through to get to where they're at, uh, today, if they're still, uh, surviving and still alive. And so, uh, once again, throughout those years, I knew I wanted to kind of start a brand. Um, like most retailers, they, uh, they've been invited to go to different factories and kind of learn the general process of, of you know, from, you know, uh, growing tobacco to uh, fermentation, you know, curing fermentation, the production side of things. Uh, and it really fascinated me. So every opportunity I, I, I you know, that's why I really, I owe a, a lot of my initial knowledge to different cigar manufacturers that were just, you know, they do these trips for retailers and some even do them for consumers, as we all know. And, you know, that, that, that information was just invaluable to me. And so um, I just, you know, I think that, that, um, that passion just kept growing and growing and learn and learn and learn. And, and that's the way I was in the hardware business too. I mean, I, I, I went to every seminar, whether it was electrical, plumbing, you know, you know, how to build a shed, how to put threads on a, a pipe, you know, and bolts and nuts, the whole thing. I and mean, then you learn everything you can when you're in, in, when you're passionate about what you're doing. And so, um, you know, flash forward, our taxes in Minnesota just kept going up and up and up. And um, I just realized there's no way to expand our footprint in our retail operation. I still wanted to stay in the industry. I thought, talked to my wife. I said, maybe it's a good opportunity. Maybe it's a good time to look at maybe a, a huge paradigm shift in my life. And, and um, so I reached out to a few manufacturers, you know, uh, that most people would know. Uh, they've been great mentors to me uh, over the years. And um, I really just said, well, let me at least look at it. So I, I grabbed an airline ticket. I flew to Nicaragua. I, I spent time in several different factories. They were all gracious and letting me in and teaching me what they knew and teaching me their process. Um, I picked my initial uh, manufacturing partner, which is the Placencia family. Um, you know, you know, great story. I've known those guys for years. In fact, Nestor Sr., um, he sent his son, Gustavo, uh, to my retail store in Minnesota to work for six months at a time just to understand what retailers go through and understand and learn the retail uh, side of the business. Um, and so I think he was there maybe two or three different times. And so I already had a connection with the Consensia family, of course, doing my analysis of all the factors. They of course had, you know, uh, a lot of tobacco, some great variety of tobacco. And, and then I said, but I, you know, if we're, if we're going to, if, if I'm going to do this, I, I just, I don't want to be another brand owner that comes down, writes a check, 
hey, I'm going to market it and sell it. You know, I really wanted to be involved in every every step of the, the process. Um, so I spent uh, two years, um, roughly one week a month or three months a year in Nicaragua learning that process, whether it's being in the fields or the curing barn or the, or the fermentation rooms or the production side of it, the quality controls. I mean, just learning as much as I could. And then at the same time, starting to experiment with different tobaccos, doing the blending and all those kind of things. And it took several months uh, to come up with our first blend. And, um, but once, once we did and I felt like, okay, I, I think I feel like I'm understanding this. Uh, I felt like this is something I really wanted to do. And so that was 2014 when we released our first uh, Crux cigars to the market. Now, do you think if the, if you hadn't had that experience in the retail area, do you think you, you would have even known where to start with creating your own brand? I think, uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody, I, I think it's an advantage to have retail experience and, and, in, uh, in, in, and maybe more of the relationships that go along with selling to retailers and basically honoring and respecting brick and mortar and what they've gone through to get to where they're at and the challenges they face. And, and we try to really be a good retail partner. I think that's where that experience, but I think just like anything, whether you're dealing with hardware stores or cigars, if you're, there, there's there's certain people with that mindset and once they get into something they're going to learn everything they can about it so I, I mean i think there's several people that they could probably pull it off um but you know then it's then you're kind of separating the people that you know have the ideas that actually get on that plane and go you know go somewhere really put that time in and then ultimately you're going to have to make a financial commitment because uh, this is um, this is an expensive game <laughs> i mean We've, we've spent a lot of money. Um, we've made a lot of, I think we've had a lot of successes, but we've had a lot of mistakes as well. And so as long as, you know, and, and learning from other manufacturers, it's, it's probably kept us from making a lot of mistakes. Uh, so we're very grateful for that, but we still make our own mistakes. And um, so we're just trying to learn. We're trying to listen to the end consumers. We're trying to listen to our retail partners. And, um, you know, as a team, we're just, it's, it's all about communication. And we can take that feedback uh, we're a small company, so we're very nimble, so we can move and redirect if need be, which is, um, you know, kind of why we did that, that brand overhaul here about a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, so when you decided to launch Crux, why did you settle on that name? Because it's such a, like a, you look at like the, the industry and that name kind of stands out because it's so unique. So where did that name come from? Yeah, so... Uh, the short answer is it came from the best man of my wedding, uh, who's, uh, who's basically, uh, uh, he is, he is the brother I never had. He's somebody that, uh, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of things and certainly we talk about, um, our lives and what people mean and, and all these different things. It's really, once again, it comes down to mindset and, you know, he, he used that term a lot, the crux of the matter kind of term or the crux of the situation. And so when we did our naming session, it was just a name I had to throw out there because, you know, I think our, originally we had 70, 80 names and we kept narrowing it down. We created our own naming team and we kept, you know, just every day we'd come back and say, okay, give me your top five, give me your top five. And, and um, it made the, the top five list. And then we really took a look at all those different names and said, what, what could that possibly mean? And Crux for me, I mean, the name Crux is obviously a, a crucifixion uh, cross, um, 
but in modern day, it's kind of, um, it can be used as a crossroads, right? And so, you know, I think everything we do um, and our, our way of doing business is to not take the path of least resistance. Uh, we talk it through as a team and, you know, uh, for example, Casey, Vice President of Crux, I remember we were sitting in our, um, our office warehouse in Boca Raton, Florida, and we were just talking about what, what uh, we're, we're looking at getting some custom-made tape that goes on the outside of the box. Well, that wasn't a five-minute conversation. It turned into a one-hour conversation and several phone calls to people and what do you like, what don't you like. And so I think we really attack everything and put the time in. And, and sometimes um, the easy way of doing it isn't the best way. So we just try to figure out what the best way is. And, and I, think, uh, I think our team works, that, works well in that way. But anyway, that's kind of the, the short answer for Crux. And, and it's I've different. Heard. And it's not like a... Yeah. It's not like uh, we're, most of our names had nothing to do with, you know, Cuban heritage. And we have no Cuban heritage. Uh, my great grandfather was a cigar roller uh, in Cold Springs, Minnesota. You know, by day, by, by day, he rolled cigars uh, at a local brewery. At night, he was a, a uh, he, he carved tombstones, you know. But back in that day, I'm sure most people had a great grandfather that might have rolled cigars at one time because there were several factories. Uh, people didn't have there was no distribution, right? So everything was made locally and distributed locally. Um, so anyway, we just didn't have any of that Cuban heritage. So we want to say, okay, how can we, we certainly, we certainly honor, uh, not just Cuban heritage, but you know, um, you know, all the great makers in uh, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras. And we, you know, we, we try to honor them and respect them for the work, the hard work that's, and they're building the best tobacco they ever have. We try to then work with them and our own team to, assemble some of the those great tobaccos in a blends that hopefully people will like and um, that's just kind of how we do it you know and um, but we're an American company making um, you know we try to support everything we can um, you know uh, in in the United States and uh, even to our packaging I mean we you know we try to keep everything either manufactured in Nicaragua or Honduras um, you know paper is you know some of our papers done in Costa Rica. Uh, we use recycled paper. I mean, we, we do a lot of things to try to, um, uh, I think, just be responsible cigar builders as well. So you, you talked about the struggles of being kind of like a startup, basically, which is like, I don't think a lot of people ever really discuss that, like not having all the money that you need to do something. So how did you grow your, your business in those early days? How did you get customers and get brand awareness without having a big budget to, you know, advertise everywhere and and pay for big all these reps to, to be around the country? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, you know, we we really we didn't have much of a budget. And so what we realized is we needed to create we needed to develop some some brands um, and that might even include certain sizes that wouldn't cannibalize sales in people's humidors or and certainly brands or cigars that could maybe you know garner some attention in the industry so one of the cigars we came out with which was kind of crazy was the, the we called it the nymphomaniac which is a seven by 33 nympha size cigar nobody had had a regular production nympha in the u.s um you know it was a couple limit you know le's they did it and they're more expensive and uh so we came out with the nymphomaniac made it at a great price 
sold a lot of them. And uh, that, that kind of separated us in a way where at least people say, yeah, I've never seen that. Tell me about your company a little bit. Um, but back then it was difficult. I mean, we didn't have any sales guys and we had a handful of brokers around the country. And, you know, when you're dealing with brokers, I mean, they're great. They're great for the industry. But when you're a new brand and you're dealing with a retailer, I mean, are you the first brand they're going to talk about or the last brand they're going to talk about? And when you're new, it's usually the last one. And if you're the last one, retailers generally have spent all their money or they get to that, that threshold of comfort level where they go, all right, I've already put orders in with all these other companies. So it was very difficult. And, you know, so we, we did travel, uh, myself, um, uh, a previous partner I had, Joel, he traveled, uh, Casey traveled. And, you know, a lot of the conversations early on, we'd walk into a retail store and they'd say, okay, what company are you from? We'd say Crux. And they'd look at you and go, who? <laughs> Crux, you know? And, and of course, we jokingly, we'd say, wait, you've never heard of us? And they go, well, no. Well, nobody had, right? So, <laughs> so you really have to tell, you have to tell your story. You have to, you know, you know point out um, how you're different as a company, whether it's how you manufacture, or the, or the brands or the sizes that you have, um, you know, you really got to, you know, find a, 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 a point of differentiation when they, but we were having some success, you know, and, and we opened a lot of retail accounts early on, um, which then, you know, we ran into our next struggle uh, as an undercapitalized uh, company. We opened up too many retailers and, and then, a month later, they, you know, guess what? They put reorders in. What? What? Wait, you want to order again? And so, and we didn't have any products. So we ran through a very difficult time back then of just not having uh, inventory, you know? You can't, you can't sell from an empty wagon. You're not going to survive with nothing in the wagon. So, um, you know, that's been a huge commitment for us, not only, uh, you know, changing our, our, our branding uh, to, uh, you know, be definitely more current and and timeless but we we also want to make sure that we have inventory so once because it's a lot of work you go in a retail store and they give you that shot and they say yeah you know we're going to put you right here and then you can't keep the cigars on the shelf well retailers don't like that of course consumers don't like that and it's just a terrible way to try to build a company and so um you know so we've really committed to uh ramping up our inventory in, in the factory. I mean, our production numbers go up every month. We have, uh, we have a lot of inventory in Florida. We've been working very hard on just continually building that inventory so we don't run out of those products. And, and uh, uh, at this point, we're gonna continue to grow the company and open new accounts based on uh, the numbers that come in, but we're not gonna make that mistake again. We're not gonna run out of inventory if we can help it. So it's all about scalability and not scaling past what you can actually handle. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but very painful. Costs a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, it's, you know, there's been several years. My wife looks at me at the end of the year and she looks at our tax return and she goes, you're going to do this. You're going to keep doing this, huh? And I said, <laughs> I, was, well, I go, if you don't mind, and, but I got a great wife, you know, she says, you know, I, be I believe in you. I believe in Casey. I believe in Tony. I believe in Sam. I mean, all the people on our team, she, she believes in us and what we're accomplishing. Um, so, uh, you know, here we are another, another year, but with, a, but we've had some great momentum, you know, definitely. I guess I, I want to ask what's the 
like, I guess, what's your, what are you looking for? Are you looking, because I know some companies, you know, they start up a business because they think they're going to make lots of money. Um, you know, were you in it for the money? Were you in it for the passion? Like, what was your motivation uh, to start the company? And what's been your motivation to keep it going? I think, I think the motivation is certainly like, like I think anybody, whether you're a manufacturer in this business, uh, you're a retailer in this business, you're any part of the business other than a, a not, I mean, if you're a consumer, you obviously love the cigars, but the rest of us, uh, some of us, some of us make money and, and, and a lot of us don't. Right. And so I think there's a lot of people in the industry at all levels, whether it's media manufacturing, retail, doesn't matter anywhere in that supply chain. Uh, we do it because we love it. We do it because what cigars mean. We do it because cigars connect you and I, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you and I have, have never even met and, and here we are connected. Right. And I mean, we met in 2015 in, in New Orleans very quickly, but now you and I are connected. Right. Next time I see right. you, you know, I mean, we're going to have that connection. And that's the great thing that that cigars do. And, and I and I love that part of it um, as far as making money. I mean, I think anybody that starts a business has, uh, you know, definitely has the goal of, of making money and 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 providing for their family. Uh, but I love seeing our company grow. I, I, I love the ability to hire three more people and then six more people and continue to grow that uh, because everybody's getting paid uh, and everybody's in the business. Um, we're all connected and it just, it just feels like, and I, I was explaining to my wife before, because starting off like a retailer, starting off as a retailer, going to a retail store, if you own it or you're a consumer or even work there, it's like, going to your other family, right? You go, you have a whole nother family that you know, our lives are enriched with the people that we hang out with the, the, the this same common goal, this, this cigar that, like I said before, that connects us all. And so I, I love that part of going into a retail store and making those connections with people. And now as a manufacturer, you get to fly around to stores all around the country and make those connections in different stores. And so early on, and, and I think all sales guys can attest to this, you know, it's, it's starting that relationship. It's, it's opening that account. But then every time you pass through and you're having success and you're, and you're connected not only to the retailer, but those, those consumers in those brick and mortar retail stores, I mean, it's just, what a better, there's no better job. I mean, you just, you just go around and, sell cigars to your friends all day that's what we do we sell cigars to our friends all day and and it's there's just nothing better so what's the best selling crux cigar our number one seller is is crux epicure uh, it's ecuador connecticut cigar um i mean most of them are, are trending very well um this not i wouldn't say surprising one but one of the most recent ones we launched was the crux bull and bear we originally lost, launched it back in 2014, but because of our, our packaging, redesign, and logo change and all that kind of stuff, it's, the, our new packaging was very expensive. And so we couldn't do everything in our, our portfolio at once. So we chose which one first and which one second and third. And so when Bull and Bear came out, we, you know, it was always kind of a mid-performer for us. Um, you know, now we, we have upgraded everything, the quality of the tobacco. We, picked all the tobacco that goes in our cigars for, for this entire production year, for example. We never did that before. We have the top rollers rolling these cigars. 
And so the bull and bear hit and, and that's flying. I mean, it's just, it's, it's flying. And that's the one where we have like a, uh, six by 60 Gordo with that marble head finish, you know, that nice round head to it. And, um, so, uh, yeah, but that Epicure and then bull and bear definitely are our top sellers. And you know, what made you want to redesign preps? Cause I know last year it went through, you kind of revealed a new look for the brand. And I like it cause like you said, it's much more modern and sleek than what was there before. And what was there before was nice because it was different from anything in the market at that point. So you could look at a crutch design and say, that's, that's crutch. You wouldn't get a confusion for anybody else. That's right. Well, I mean, like anything, I mean, I think we, we started off uh, with, with a design that I personally really, really liked. Um, and, you know, that, you know, it, it really got us to where we are today, our initial designs. Um, you know, it was different. It was unique. Uh, kind of had an edge to it. Um, but like anything, we're, we're, we want to build more cigars. We want to open up more retail accounts. We want to uh, build more connections. And so, you know, we, we, at year five, I figured it was a really good time to see if everything that we were doing was right or wrong. And there's no pride there. It's just, you know, we just want to build a better product if we can build a better product. And so we looked at everything in our company, our, our sizes to the tobacco selections and how we were doing things, our entire process. And, and then we looked at our branding. And so we, we had hired a, a company to um, basically test our branding. Uh, we had basically a focus group that, you know, cigar smokers, non-cigar smokers. And we were just looking for some, some information on how our branding was doing in the market. And what we quickly realized is most people couldn't read it. I mean, they didn't know what that, they didn't know what that word said on our cigar band. And then, of course, we turned it on, you know, this way. So you really couldn't see it when it was sitting on a retail shelf. And so... Uh, if you look at most companies nowadays, luxury brands, everything else, everybody's simplified their branding. Uh, people are inundated with uh, between social media and emails and, and te television, everything else. And, uh, you know, if it's a complicated brand in any way, we just don't remember it. Right. You know, just it gets spit out. So uh, so we really wanted to make something like you had mentioned, something a little more modern, uh, current, relevant. Uh, but more importantly, we wanted something that's timeless. You know, something that people could read, people could remember um, for, for decades to come. Now, how has the coronavirus situation kind of impacted crux and what you all were planning for 2020? Have you had to adjust or pivot any um, based on what's going on and based on what you think might play out for the rest of the year? Yeah, it definitely, definitely has. I mean, we, you know, we, as I mentioned before, we, we, we've had some tremendous momentum and, uh, and I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy for us. I mean, we were opening new accounts every day, but the, the right accounts. I mean, we, we handpick our accounts, we approach them. We, we talk about the crux retail partnership uh, uh, relationship that we want to establish. And I think, I think a lot of retailers understand that, you know, it, you know, we, we do view them as, as partners and we respect them. And um, you know, so, knowing that we had the momentum and then next thing you know, like all manufacturers and pretty much all industries, sales guys can't travel. Um, they can't, uh, you know, visit uh, retail stores. Uh, they can make the phone calls, but the retailers of course are preserving cash. They're, they're basically selling off inventory just to create some cash flow and pay the bills. And, but they're certainly, uh, and, and we also, you know, 
we're not a discounter in any way. So, you know, there are probably a handful of retailers out there that are always looking for opportunities to make opportunistic buys, but that's not what we're about. So, so it's, it's really changed how we sell right now. We're obviously trying to incorporate some more technology, uh, whether it's uh, virtual sales presentations, we're looking at expanding our territories for our current sales reps. Uh, so, you know, they can reach out. Um, and so, uh, and, and, and once again, we, we had plans of probably hiring other three salespeople this year. And, and that could still happen, but everything has just gotten paused for now. I mean, fortunately, we have a lot of inventory, um, you know, because we worked hard at building up that inventory, um, you know, and we're still, as far as the production side and the supply chain side, uh, side goes, that hasn't changed. It's just the only thing that's really changed for us right now is who we can reach. And so we have to, we have to come up with uh, solutions on how to connect with people now in a digital world uh, until these, um, these uh, stay-at-home stay restrictions are lifted. And, and I think that time's coming soon. And do you think when the stay-at-home orders do start to get lifted and people can start going back to... I guess the new normal as whatever that will be. Um, DC Digital still playing a big role in the cigar industry because, from my perspective, it it seems to be growing a little bit more important now that people see we could easily be in a, a cop with our pants down in a situation like this where we need that digital connection. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's I, I think I think the the digital. I think there's a lot of company a lot of companies are going to incorporate a lot more digital or, or, or technology into their businesses. And, and, and even at the retail level, many, many retailers are being forced to do it, right? It's all stuff they know they should have done, you know, for the last five to 10 years, it's now stuff they have to do to survive. You know, for us, what we want to make sure is that we're just offering a great experience, you know, a great uh, selling experience. Uh, and I think for now, if we, you know, it's the communication, if we can communicate um, and communicate in a different way, that's kind of interesting. You know, at some point, people, last thing people are going to want to do in a very short period of time is they don't want to, they don't want to jump on another Zoom call, right? I mean, they're tired of it. They want human connection. We all need human connection. And so it's really important that our reps get out there. So we'll incorporate some of that digital uh, elements into our selling style moving forward. But, you know, we're still going to be looking at hiring people, um, you know, and that, that's my that's my goal is to hire more people uh, to uh, keep establishing human connections. And even if you can't shake their hand and, um, you know, maybe you can bump elbows or but you know, stand six feet apart. But it's still a much more human connection um, when you're face to face. Now, as a as a brand owner and you, you see the industry, you see the uh, I think as they've been called this year, like the big four or big five in the industry and then everybody else. I mean, do you feel like you get enough attention as a, um, from like the media and from the consumers or are you like fighting to get attention, the, like the same amount of attention? As the big four or five? As the big four or five or even just like a medium sized kind of manufacturer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're really fighting, I mean, uh, fighting for attention, you know, I mean, I think the big four or five, I mean, obviously they've made some changes and some of that collectively. I think when it, I, I don't know if that really, I, I, to the end consumer level, I don't know how much people really understand everything that's happened in our industry. Um, 
I don't know how much the you know some of the decisions the big four or five are making are influencing retailers buying habits or patterns um, and then and then pushing that to their retailers you know I mean all I can say about for us is uh, you know we're, we're just happy being in the place that we're at and you know we're not you know we do yes watch what all their manufacturers are doing I mean you know they are competitors uh, and but, and, and we're growing. And so once again, we still have a lot, I think a lot of advantages because we're nimble where we can make changes very quickly. Uh, we can do things and we have a pretty, uh, we're, we're hopeful. We have an exciting year ahead of us. Uh, maybe some new brands some new things to talk about, some new ways of doing business. Um, and, but, you know, but we're all in this together, you know, more than, more than ever, all manufacturers need to be unified here. And so I hope we all come together and figure out what's best for premium cigars. Um, and, you know, I think, I think most small to mid manufacturers have the same mindset of where we need to uh, continue to grow in our industry and where we need to continue to get better. And, and the big manufacturers have influence, right? They have legislative influence. Um, uh, you know, they've, they've worked hard uh, in, in you know, most of them, not all of them, but, you know, they've worked hard in, in protecting our, our freedom and our right to enjoy these, these cigars. So, you know, what we're looking at doing is just say, if anybody needs help, whether it's at a legislative level or uh, financially, whatever it is, I mean, we're, we're in this for the long haul, you know. And so, and I've always said this, you know, we're not, we're not a company that's just trying to, you know, take it every six months. I mean, it kind of feels like that for most businesses now because what you plan for next week might be totally different than what actually happened right. because, because of coronavirus, but that'll eventually go away. And so we can start looking, um, you know, uh, out a little further distance. And we try to try to build our company by decade, not by three-year marketing plans. And, um, but we can make those adjustments throughout those years to just give us the best chance of success and delivering a great product and building these connections and relationships with retailers and end consumers. Now, for somebody who's not tried a truck cigar yet, and I know it might be this question might be dependent on their palate, but where would you kind of help guide them, and, and what would you suggest that they kind of take a look at trying? Yeah, so so each each of our cigars, we have a number of sizes in, in each of those lines. I think, and, and as far as strength or body, you know, from light to medium all the way to full, and so. Right now, what's available to market is really, it's, it's Crux Epicure, Crux Epicure, Maduro. We have our Bull and Bear, our Guild, and then from time to time, our Limitada. I think if, if, if people like medium-bodied cigars, Epicure all day long. And even though it's a Connecticut-wrapped cigar, it is not a mild Connecticut. You know, for people that smoke cigars that are more uh, puffers, right, they just take it in and puff it back out, um, it's a little smoother, a little creamier, a little milder. But for those that want a little more intensity and they actually retrohale, they're going to find that it's got some, you know, it's, it's got some flavor. I mean, it's and a little bit of strength. And so Epicure and Epicure Maduro is always the best place to start in our portfolio. What are some of the, I know you just talked about your 10-year plan. So where do you see Crux in, in another decade from now? Well, I mean, uh, hopefully, hopefully I'm still in the business. Um, you know, I, I plan to be. Uh, you know, I have kids. I'm not sure they're going to be want, involved, but we're we're a family-run company. Uh, vice president is, is Casey uh, Casey Hogan. Um, you know, Tony Hogan joined our team a couple of months ago. He's he's fantastic. 
Um, so it's working with that family, you know, Sam Ventura, uh, in a very short period of time, he's family. I mean, it, it, you know, he may not have the Hogan last name, although I think he should probably change it. Um, <laughs> if he really wants to be accepted, but no, I mean, it, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, we're, we're in 10 years, I see our, our I, I see us having just a ton of fun, right? It, it's painful growing a company and, but. Um, if we continue to apply, the, I think the principles and we stay uh, goal oriented and producing great cigars and, and sticking with our plan, uh, I, 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 I do see us as, um, you know, outside the U.S. as well. I don't want to call it an international company, but, you know, we, um, you know, we want to make connections all over the world where we can. And, and, and we get people buying our cigars from all over the world right now. And, um, and that's what's cool. I mean, you see these connections from Sweden or Australia or New Zealand. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's just we're all connected because of these things, and, and, and that's the beauty of it. So, uh, you know, we're, we're just we're focused on uh, building, yes, our brand, uh, but more importantly, enriching our lives and, and, and building our connections. And, you know, and there's companies that have done a great job of that. They really understand the connections, and it doesn't matter what they do. And the bigger you get, you have, I think you have the, well, you, you have kind of the uh, advantage of being able to weather uh, problems. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly, you certainly can, um, let's say you have a problem in production or any problems. You typically weather those storms because there's a, enough equity in the brand. We're still such a young company. That's why we really have to take our time. So, you know, every step of the way, we want to make sure that um, we just want to make sure that we're doing it the right way because you know a, a mistake for us is is a huge problem right it's it's there's just not a lot of forgiveness when you're a small company like this and um, so anyway that's I, I think we'll we'll continue to grow and connect and we're gonna just it's all about having fun because once the fun's out of it and I've said this from day one there's no fun in what we're doing um, you know, I'll, I'll do something else, right? I mean, these guys will do something else. But so far, even with all the problems and, and the legislative issues that this industry faces, I think everybody would agree, uh, yourself included, tell me if I'm wrong, but this is a fun business. And that's, that's why we do it. Yeah, I always say that people, like, you look at the cigar industry from the outside and you kind of think it's all smoking jackets and and tuxedos and very stiff and stuffy and you get into it and it's full of different personalities full of fun full of people wanting to have a good time and laugh um you know and it's too bad that we can't always communicate that to non-cigar smokers or to people who are making the legislative laws um so that they can see what it is and they can see that it's a handcrafted product and it's not uh, it's not like a cigarette. It's not like a vaping product. It's a completely different experience. Oh, that's right. Even, even on the media side, I mean, speaking to different companies, I mean, when you, like, I always have fun speaking to a cigar person because they, they want to tell their story and share that story and the heritage. And you just don't get that from a vapor person or, or a cigarette <laughs> person. It's just like, you know, tell us the history of this brand. Well, you know, we started in the 18 something, something. And, now we're manufactured by this person. That's that's that. <laughs> right, right. You know. 
So, so what have you learned about yourself since starting Crux? Well, I've, I've, I've learned that um, I need to go to a chiropractor a lot more than I used to. <laughs> um, sleeping in different beds with different pillows. But I'll tell you what, since, since staying at home, I, I've really, I, it's been great. Sleep in my own bed every night. Uh, but I miss the people. Um, but what I've realized is, is uh, you know, that I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate to work with my family. Um, very, very fortunate to spend time with these different retailers and make these connections with end consumers. I mean, I, I just learned that my life is more blessed than ever, uh, even though there's been several years of losing money at this. Um, this, this, however, will not be one of those years. Um, you know, fingers crossed damn coronavirus we'll see you know <laughs> but but um i i think um i think it's it's made me kind of realize that um and you talked about this before some companies do it for the profits or money it made me realize that my making money is that's an easy thing to do you know but um and then if, but if you can make money and that's something you love doing um then continue to go after it so that's what we're doing. And we just, listen, we just want to pay the bills. I mean, that's it. It's just go out there and have fun. And, and, um, and I think we're doing that. We're having a good time. So, so as we near the end of our time together, what, how can people stay in touch with Crux? What should, what social media stuff should they be looking for? Like, um, accounts to follow, where can they find out more information about the brand? Uh, our brands on, you know, cruxcigars.com. We're on all the social media. Uh, you know, I, I, we're going to have a series of videos uh, embedded in our website at some point. We're, I think there's one up there now, which retail, you know, we kind of have a retailer highlight. Uh, we're going to be doing that on a, a periodic basis where we actually have a production crew going into uh, brick and mortar retail stores and talking about their story and, and uh, their connection with their end consumers. And, um, you know, so websites for the first time ever is probably more interesting to look at than it ever has been. We didn't really change it too much, but but now we are. Uh, but that's the easiest way to follow us or, uh, you know, hell, send me an email, you know, Jeff at CruxCigars.com. I mean, I don't care who you are. I'll, I'll respond to it, you know. I'm happy to know that Crux is in my one of my local tobaccos, which is Havana Fields. So oh, yeah. I, I have a local source for, for Crux, so that's always nice. Yeah, that's great. Well, how did uh, you have some Crux cigars? Did Casey load you up or? Yeah, because remember I, I met you and um, Casey uh, just a couple months ago at TPE right before coronavirus. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Right right before it clamped down on everything, so. But I, did we I take care of you? Yeah. Okay, you need more? I mean, look, I could always use more cigars. I'm never going to say, <laughs> I'm never going to say no. So, right. so I can always use more. So I'll, I'll send Casey a note. Which ones do you like? What's your favorite out of our line so far? Look, I don't have like, a, I don't, I will say this. I don't have one that I don't like. Okay. That's good. Cause if you said I didn't have a favorite, I say, wait, you don't like any of our cigars. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, maybe I'll send you a couple, uh, uh, email me your address too. I'll send you a couple uh, blends that I'm working on in the factory. Get your opinion on them. How's that? Great. Sounds good. That'd be great. Well, like I said, I, I want to thank you for taking a, an hour out of your time to speak to me. And 
I know we, we need to get together and do a, a story for Tobacco Business Magazine and Cigars and Leisure. So you and I will definitely have some, you and I and Casey and the team will definitely have some uh, conversations offline about that. But um, I, I've enjoyed learning a little bit more about the prep story and getting your business philosophy today. Well, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And, yeah, it's uh, fun. Look forward to, hopefully we see you this summer at the uh, PCA show. You think they're going to have it? What have you heard? Um, I think I saw a lot of media people yesterday talking about the Venetians' uh, COVID nineteen response plan. They were they were not fond of it. They didn't think it will be very conducive to a trade show experience. Yeah. So I'm gonna stay out of that fight. Um, yeah. but, I, I think but they should. I, have a I know it's a, they're in a tough position because when you do a trade show, I mean, it's just you've already put in a lot of money by this time, and, and, and so. Just saying we're not going to do it is a, is a big decision because you're just not going to get some of your money back. So Yeah, I just, I, just, that, I yeah. wonder if we're going to be in queue, you know, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of trade shows that have, have not been taking place, right? Because, right. Uh, you know, they, that all gets pushed back, you know, so I hope, I hope maybe the PCA comes up with a, uh, like a virtual trade show, you know? I, I feel like whatever they're going to do, I mean, in a couple of days, it's going to be May <laughs> and you, they kind of need to say what what the plan is and what's going on because um, I mean people haven't been able to even book you know hotel rooms so how do you how do you get ready and right. manufacturers to ship your your booth there and to get your team ready I mean it's just a lot of, of thought that goes into it so um, right. logistically it seems hard to do but I never put you know I never count people out so let's see what what the next few weeks kind of uh unravels but we'll see good well i appreciate your time man i hope uh hope we can see each other one of these uh days in the near future yeah definitely I'm looking forward to uh seeing you in person maybe with a little bit of social distancing but <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's all right I'm, I'm not overly worried about it yeah well i look forward to our next encounter and like thank you again for speaking to me and sharing your story with our audience good to see you again appreciate it all right good all right be well you too all right thanks bye bye